G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Tuesday, we like to check in with breaking news that's happening in the nation of Israel and throughout the Middle East. Stan Goodenough is joining us today, an Israel-licensed evangelical tour guide. He's a journalist, writer and speaker, and across the details, as news is breaking in Israel, Stan Goodenough, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Stan, you've been across the headlines overnight. Let's check on some of these details here. Uh, Israelis worried that their country's relationship with the United States has tipped into an instant downward spiral in the month since Joe Biden became president. Uh, What are the headlines saying? Well, related to this news item, Neil, there are reports uh, that Israeli warplanes were in operation in Syria on Sunday night. They were attacking targets not far from the capital of Damascus. And although details of the strike are still unclear, Uh, and typically the IDF has not commented, it is very likely that the targets were Iranian. The thing is that over the last four years, Israel has been systematically pushing back at the Iranian efforts to establish more of an Israel-threatening military presence in Syria. Uh, The previous U.S. administration sided with Israel in its stand against Iran, and it worked to form an anti-Iran alliance uh, of Sunni Arab states led by Saudi Arabia which would cooperate with Israel in resisting this growing threat from Iran. Well, in 2018, as most will remember, President Donald Trump pulled his country out of the nuclear deal with Iran. He believed uh, and supported Israel's belief that instead of preventing the Iranians from achieving nuclear weapons capability, the deal would in fact enable them to do so. Now, just weeks after Joe Biden's inauguration, there is concern in Israel that at the evident trajectory of the new, new U.S. administration's approach to the Middle East. Among the troubling indicators are the fact that nearly one month after his inauguration, uh, President Biden has yet to make a personal phone call to Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, typically, uh, this has happened within hours or at least at most days of a new president's inauguration. Now, a lot of the Israeli angst relates to Iran, which last month accelerated its nuclear weapons program in an effort to get the Biden administration to return to the nuclear agreement. And indeed, the U.S. is discussing ways of doing this. So Israeli analysts believe that Iran has been emboldened by Washington's return to the path of the former president, Barack Obama, that is. And he sought to appease rather than confront the Iranian regime. On Friday, a commentator in Israel said... The new administration is doing all the possible mistakes to destabilize the Middle East and and to not bring us closer to peace, but to bring us closer to a war. 
So, destabilizing in the Middle East and the Biden presidency not doing so well at this time. In fact, I did hear, and just as a little aside here, I did hear that there was even a reluctance from the press spokesperson for President Biden to even name Israel as an ally to the U.S. I'm not sure whether you're across that detail, but that's challenging, isn't it, for relations into the future? Let's move on. There's plenty of good headlines to be discussing today. In what has been termed archaeology wars, Israel has seen the tomb of Joseph destroyed and now damage is reportedly being done to an altar possibly built by the Israelite commander Joshua. What's the story here, Stan? Well, in Israel, there is a battle over who originally comes from that land, who the Aboriginal pe- people of Israel are, if you like. And there are two there are two versions of history. One is that the Jews conquered Canaan and established Israel, and the other is that the land was from time immemorial uh, belonging to the uh, the Arabs, the so-called Palestinian Arabs. Well, the past past few days have seen tensions spiking in these areas that form the biblical heartland of Israel, Judea and Samaria. The world typically calls those areas the West Bank. On Sunday, uh, Jewish residents south of Hebron demonstrated because they were very concerned about the fact that there are flaws in the security system meant to prevent terrorists from crossing out of Judea and attacking Israelis. Uh, Meanwhile, last week, Israeli President uh, Reuven Rivlin instructed the Israel Defense Forces to investigate reports that Arabs had damaged this ancient stone altar complex in northern Samaria. Uh, It's an Iron Age structure. It was discovered on Mount Ebal in 1980 and is believed by many to have been constructed by Joshua during the Israelite conquest of Canaan more than 3,000 years ago. Joshua chapter 8 verse 30 states, Now Joshua built an altar to the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel. Reports indicate that the Palestinian Authority, which has civil control over the area containing the altar, plans to produce gravel at the site. In an Arab version of the cancel culture, if you like, archaeological sites that substantiate the Jewish claim to this land have frequently been desecrated. Israelis have seen massive destruction wrought on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem over the last decade and a half. And in the year 2000, after Israel ceded control of the town of Nablus, also known as Shechem, to the Palestine Liberation Organization, Arabs destroyed the ancient tomb of Joseph on the outskirts of the town. So tension continues to simmer in Samaria and Judea. And I imagine that the value of those sites can't be underestimated. I mean, this is value for the whole world. And so desecration of those sites and damage to those sites, uh, pretty uh, terrible things happening there. Uh, Let's talk COVID for a few moments and vaccination in Israel. What are the headlines saying, Stan? Because uh, Israel has now started vaccinating as young as children, but uh, Europe has yet to vaccinate its grandparents. What are these headlines about? Yes, well, I'm sure there'll be an interest in Australia because as you prepare to launch your national um, COVID-19 vaccine program, along with most of the world, I think Australian eyes are closely watching the progress being made in Israel. 
and concomitantly the lack of progress in in Europe. The the Jewish state is leading the world in per capita vaccinations. Uh, nearly four million Israelis have received their first dose, and two and a half million have already had their second. As of Sunday night, um, 90% of Israelis over 60 have been vac- vaccinated, 73% between 40 and 60, and half of the population between 16 and 40 have already had their jab. Now, by contrast, the vaccine rollout uh, here in Europe has barely begun. Uh, the Czech Republic which has a comparable population size to Israel's, uh, which is presenting some of the most severe coronavirus numbers right now, and which began its inoculations on December the 27th, has so far only vaccinated 330,000 people. So there's anger and fear being reported from here and from different parts of Europe as vaccine production and bureaucratic hurdles have impeded the inoculation process in the continent. But Israelis are beginning to hear sounds of optimism, Neil. On Friday, the government's top coronavirus official said that the country is on track to start reopening much of its economy by February 23rd as the number of vaccinated grows and the number of illnesses goes down. And here in Australia, Stan, as you say, we're on the eve, really, of getting a vaccination program underway, but not everyone is happy that things have taken uh, this amount of time. Uh, Some are saying this should have happened uh, earlier because we've got shutdowns, complete shutdowns happening in some of our big cities, uh, like Melbourne is at present. And some people are saying, well, if the vaccination program had begun earlier, then those things might not have happened. Uh, Let's continue on. Let's talk elections here because uh, five weeks before the Israelis are back to the polls again conflicting surveys generate different expectations of the outcome so what sort of shape is this landscape taking ahead of the election Stan? Okay Neil so just as a background for our listeners again um, Israel has had uh, this will be the fourth election within the last two years Uh, Israel struggles to put together a government that will be stable because there are so many parties that participate in the election process. And then the, uh, the, the winner has to cobble together a coalition, which often comprises parties that do not agree with everything that, let's say, the main party would agree with. And each one of those smaller parties could bring uh, the new government down. Uh, in the latest um, uh, uh, outworking of the scenario, the government has actually uh, gridlocked and is going nowhere. So new, new uh, elections have been called, and the the real interest, forgetting all the the smaller issues at hand, if you like, the major issue is uh, the consideration of what form the government will take uh, that has to lead Israel, uh, while the United States, Israel's strongest and most important ally, uh, is potentially turning increasingly against Israel, and the the hoped for outcome by friends of Israel and, and, and those who are concerned for Israel's strength and security is that a right-wing government uh, or a right-wing go- coalition uh, will be formed in the, after the elections on March the 23rd. Currently, the polls are not showing clearly which way these elections are going to go. Uh, daily, they change, but polls are notoriously, um, especially I remember down in Australia in your last election, the polls predicted something completely different from what actually happened on election night. So uh, nobody knows exactly which way this is going to go, but uh, we're, we're following it closely. And at the moment, it looks 
slightly like there is the chance of a right-wing government coming to power. We will monitor things along as that election draws near. Hey, Stan, let's finish up on a story about a unit of graduating Israeli Defence Force soldiers who sang out their belief in the coming of the Messiah last week, and and that's infatuated a member of the left-wing press. What does this one look like? Well, this is an interesting story, Neil. Um, The soldiers from the Armoured Corps of the Israel Defence Forces, they had just held a ceremony marking the end of their basic training, and they began to sing a song, one of the long-cherished Hebrew songs, whose title, Anima Amin, means, I believe. Now, the words go along these lines. I believe with complete faith in the coming of the Messiah. And even though he may tarry, nonetheless, I will wait for him. Well, a journalist for the ultra-leftist and very influential news organization called Haaretz noted, uh, saw a recording of the singing soldiers, and he tweeted that, quote, the IDF is gradually becoming the army of God, of literal messianic Jews. Well, he contacted the IDF for an explanation and was informed that while a number of troops had asked to sing the song and been permitted, no soldier was forced to do so. Nonetheless, the story created a stir. Now, uh, the footnote to this is interesting. It's not widely known, but multitudes of Jews sang this song expressing their faith in the coming Messiah on their way to being murdered in the Nazi gas chambers of the Holocaust. And of course, the Holocaust and what it wreaked on European Jewry immediately preceded the return of the Jewish people to their land in anticipation of the coming of the Messiah, which is a widely held belief in Israel. Wow. And is it fair to say, Stan, that when the pressure is on and there are mounting threats and uh, not just, you know, issues around uh, Palestinian tensions, but now Iran back in the picture that that somehow or other when there's increased threat, that actually the people can tend to look more to their religious roots and uh, acknowledge God in that? Is that happening, do you think? Well, I think this goes back all the way to the time of Jesus, Neil, when when under Roman threat, the anticipation, as we read in the New Testament, for the coming of the Messiah was at a peak. And down through history, whenever the threat has grown, uh, the threat against the Jewish people has grown, the people of Israel have looked for that and seen that growing threat, actually, as an indicator of the imminence of the Messiah's arrival. So, yes, absolutely. Stan, good enough. Great getting your insights. Thank you so much for checking on those headlines for us and bringing us a great update today. Stan Goodenough is an Israel-licensed evangelical tour guide. He's a journalist, a writer and speaker. And uh, for listeners who'd like to catch up on more of the things you write about Stan, let me point them to your website, jerusalemwatchman.org. You'll find Stan Goodenough and his writings at jerusalemwatchman.org. Stan, thanks so much for the update today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Take care. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.